Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bill Johnson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit Bethel.com. I, I believe you got set up by God to show up on a Sunday when it's a family meeting because we have gone through one of the most challenging weeks of our life this last week. And it's important that I take at least the first half of the message time and just talk to you about this journey, this process that we are on. I'll start by reading uh, something that Dan uh, wrote to kind of represent um, our, uh, our posture as a church family. If you do not, well, you'll, you'll hear it in here. If you're a guest and you're uh, not aware of what's been going on, um, you will in a moment. Since learning the news of two-year-old Olive Hilligenthal's sudden death, we have sought a miracle from God to raise her from the dead. We realize this is out of the norm, but that's what a miracle is. It's outside the box of nature and our power. As the Bible testifies, God is the God of the reasonable, probable, and possible, as well as the God of the unreasonable, improbable, and impossible. In this process, we've been asking God to fulfill our heart's desire to see his kingdom manifested in great power. When you are a friend of God and know that he is your heavenly father, you trust him and ask for big outlandish miracles. As a church, we've been contending for, singing about, and witnessing God's power to save, heal, and deliver for over 50 years. It is normal for us to ask for things, trust him, and then glorify his name regardless of the outcome. This is what life with the king is all about. In this situation, grief has not been avoided as we have all been grieving from the moment we heard the news. Faith isn't denial of the facts or of our emotions. It is knowing God cares and intervenes in the midst of them. Here's where we are. All of hasn't been raised. The breakthrough we have sought hasn't come. With the same heart of utter confidence in God's goodness, we receive the comfort of the Good Shepherd as Andrew, Callie, and Olive's big sister, Elsie, their family, and our church walk together through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalms 23. And so we are moving towards a memorial service and a celebration of our life. Our community is being deeply impacted by the tragedy of Olive's death. As we have gone through this difficult time, we are grateful to see that faith, hope, and love have been the response. The Lord wastes nothing. He will bring beauty for ashes, Isaiah 61.3. The joy of our faith is that though we haven't seen the miracle of Olive being raised, she is alive in the presence of God. Her mom and dad will see her again, and we too will join her in resurrection one day. Believers know that heaven is full of homecomings, reunions, celebration, worship, and joy. He is good all the time. Thank you for your continued prayers for, the, uh, for this family. Amen. So that's, our, uh, that's kind of a position, a posture we've taken. <clears throat> the Christian faith is founded on the resurrection of Jesus. Paul said, if there's no resurrection, we're the most to be pitied. It's actually the rock-solid foundation is that Jesus was raised from the dead. But not only did he, not only was he raised from the dead, 
the scripture tells us that he himself raised people from the dead. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see people being raised from the dead. Elijah tried on one occasion and it didn't work, so he persisted, went a little deeper, and the child was raised. The point is, it's in the scripture as an example. So he sets a precedent with his lifestyle, Jesus does. He sets a precedent with his lifestyle of ruining every funeral he attended, including his own. That's our stance right there. So resurrection is at the heart of Jesus's behavior, but it is also in his command to those who follow him. His disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse eight, he commanded those who followed him to raise the dead, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse lepers. Some would say, well, that's just for that group of disciples, but it's just not true. In the great commission, Jesus taught, and he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them all that I taught you. What did he teach them? Raising the dead. So it's supposed to go in every generation following. Just because it's not common doesn't mean it's not normal. Just because resurrection from the dead is not common doesn't mean it's not normal. Thankfully, in recent years, it has become common in various parts of the earth. Dear friends of ours, it's amazing how many people have advice on raising the dead that have never raised the dead. Let's just meditate on that for just a moment here and enjoy this mystery that we are in. But we are connected deeply with people that live this lifestyle and we've consulted with them. Put that aside, it's not the message. Jesus illustrated it and commanded us to do the same. We live, I live without options. I I live without options, I believe that we do. I have never been more impressed with the body of people than I have been this last week where thousands of believers gather to worship and to pray. No hype, no manipulation, no trying to persuade God to you know, manipulate him to do as we please. It's not about that. Worship is about absolute surrender to him and his purposes. There are measures of his presence and glory that I saw in this room that I heard about at the Twin View campus uh, earlier in the week that I have never seen the likes of before. Extraordinary levels of great faith, great boldness, great courage. Some, last Saturday night, a week ago, started, I don't know what time the meeting started, six or seven o'clock, I guess. Some of them were there till seven in the morning. So together, thousands of believers have said yes and have pursued this breakthrough. Now, our, our life does not depend on, on the breakthrough. I, I don't think I said that right, so let me, let me say it differently. I refuse to try to hold God hostage to what I want in a given situation. He owes me nothing. He owes me nothing. He is God. I am a son. I am a servant. But he is the one who not only welcomes me, he is the one who instructed me, instructed us to pursue specific things. He said to pursue, seek first the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom look like? That's not a pursuit of going to heaven. It's a pursuit of God's solutions for death, 
loss, and destruction here. It's an immediate expression of God's dominion in a given situation. Where there's death, there's resurrection. Where there's brokenness in relationships, there's healing. Where there's disease, there's restoration of the body. The list goes on and on, but you get the point. My responsibility is to seek first and foremost God's solution, his supernatural intervention in a given situation. This is the privilege of saying yes to Jesus. I, I read a story, oh goodness, it's been many years ago. I've shared it a few times through the years here. But I read a story about a, a man who was a, a very competitive, very, a great athlete. And he, he, um, he was in a very horrible, horrible accident. And he ended up losing a limb. He ended up losing uh, one of his arms. And after he recovered from, uh, his, healed up from that injury, he, uh, he still had this competitive drive and wanted to be involved in sports. So he researched and tried to figure out what sport he could do with just one hand. And he ended up picking up the sport called handball. Has anybody ever played that? It's painful. It's, I don't know. You hit a ball that's about as hard as a golf ball with your hand. It's got some slim little layer of leather over your hand. It doesn't work for me. I played it once. That's enough. I got it out of my system. Just hit that, hit that ball. It's like racquetball, except you hit the ball with your hand. And so he picked up this sport, and he actually became quite good. He became so good that through his, his uh, time of, of pursuing excellence in that sport, he became the champion of his club. And as the champion of his club, they, uh, they put him into the state championship. And he ended up in, in the finals, and he ended up winning the state championship for handball player, number one player in his state newspaper man was there and wanted to interview him. And I believe it was his first question. He asked, how is it possible for a man with one hand to win against his opponents, all of which use both hands to play? And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, it's options. And the newspaper man said, what do you mean options? He said, my opponent, when the ball comes off the wall, has to decide what hand to use. And we have reduced our options to the one thing Jesus said to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't have a list of options. We've got one. We do what he says to do, period. I don't mind looking foolish as long as it's in pursuit of obeying Jesus. If it's in pursuit of honoring, obeying Jesus, that's fine with me. We don't know what we're doing, the bottom line is. There is there's no manual, how long do you pray? Do you pray an hour? Do you pray a day? You know, for uh, Elijah, he tried to raise a young man and it just didn't work the first time, so he had to push in, go again. There's a precedent set for longevity in prayers. Luke chapter 18, verse one, talks about the value, God's value of persistence in prayer. You come to the end of Hebrews chapter 10 and you find how God values enduring faith. It's, it's holding on until the breakthrough comes. And so we have biblical precedent to endure, but I don't have the manual that says one day, two days, three. Jesus raised Lazarus on the fourth. So we have a precedent set not only to pursue the resurrection of the dead, but to, to remain diligent 
for a long period of time. And we did that this week. And I want to commend the hundreds, and actually it was thousands of you that through different times during the week would gather together and we would worship. Worship is not a time where you manipulate God. It's not a time where I'll do this and then you do that for me. It's literally, I place myself on the altar to seek your purposes. That's why we're here. Together as a family, we said yes. And that means it's automatic. It's not an option. We don't have an option when a child dies to just say, well, that's life. The sovereignty of God. I have great difficulty with that definition of God's sovereignty. Jesus raised the dead. Did he violate the sovereignty of God? Did we have the Father willing one thing and Jesus willing the opposite? That's a divided house. That house could not stand. Instead, we see Jesus raising the dead because not everyone who dies dies in God's timing. It's important for there to be believing believers who will step into these moments where maybe the odds are against you. Maybe it's not the common experience. Maybe, maybe you don't know what you're doing, but we can always talk to God. We can always pray. We can always stop and say, God, you alone know what you're doing. And all we want is to be a tool in your hand. And we will celebrate your kindness regardless of the outcome. We will celebrate your goodness regardless. This is not about us having our way. This is about us living responsibly before you to present before you the petitions that you commanded us to pray. You told us to pray these things. And so we do so. I've watched through the years as a church family, we, we have not been spared tragedy, difficulty. We've had more miracles than I ever thought I'd get to see in my lifetime. To be honest with you, we see in a given month more than I thought I'd see for my lifetime. So I'm very grateful, very thankful. But also, we're exposed because of so many who come here for a miracle. We're also exposed to great pain, great heartache. We've not been spared that experience. But what I've noticed through the last 20 years is those who have not gotten the breakthrough and yet they endured the difficulty the best were the people who had a rock-solid foundation called the goodness of God. It was not lyrics to a song. It was not their amen to a sermon. It was the fact of living with the burning conviction that God is so good and always good. We have this promise in Scripture that he works he causes all things to work together for good to lo those who love God, called according to his purpose, Romans chapter eight. What a great verse. Did you know that verse is completely unnecessary if the moment we pray, everything happens as we wish it would? The only reason that promise was given is because sometimes we're gonna swing and we're gonna miss. Sometimes we're gonna pursue something, the breakthrough won't come, but we have this assurance that in the midst of a lifestyle of miracles, we also have this guarantee that when this didn't happen as we prayed, this didn't happen as we thought it would, we still have the assurance God will be glorified and we will be strengthened. And as Dan wrote in the letter, Isaiah 61, there will be beauty for ashes.
we owe people something out of the ordinary. Nobody's impressed with religious routine. No one. Not even those that are in it. I'm, I totally am fine with tradition. I'm totally fine with uh, discipline. I think those things are important. But they're never to be in the place of life. They're never to be in the place of fulfilled promise, of breakthrough. We were born to enter into a lifestyle of significant breakthrough. Many years ago, uh, Chris actually asked if I'd share this story. <clears throat> Many years ago, I was in Weaverville. Dick Joyce was preaching on a Sunday morning. We were in the, the tiny little sanctuary we had there, and, and Dick Joyce was preaching away, and he stopped in the middle of his message. And there was a young man uh, there who had been there, just had received Christ, I think, like two or three weeks earlier. He was sitting in like the third row, and Dick stopped his message, and he called him and said, stand up, and he began to prophesy over him prophesied that he would be an evangelist, that God would send him back to the group of people that he came out from. And it was a wonderful word. We all celebrated. Of course, he had never had any experience like that before in his life and, and sat back down. Dick continued with his message. <clears throat> I think it was two weeks later. It was a short time later. This young man was involved in an accident. He was on a log deck working with a large piece of equipment. A branch came through the cab that he was in working this equipment and caught him under the, the chin and pinned him to the back of the cab. Because they weren't cutting trees, they actually didn't have a chainsaw on site. There was only one other person there. This person left the site to go get a chainsaw and came back to free his friend. And by the time he got there, this young man's face was black for lack of oxygen. He'd been pinned for an extraordinary period of time. He got the chainsaw working, cut him free, rushed him to the hospital, pronounced dead on arrival. His parents wanted more attention from medical, better medical people, so they were able to get him down to Reading. They had him hooked up to um, equipment. I, I, don't, I would I need a doctor to help me figure this one out, but they had him hooked up to stuff for the heart and everything, but he had no brain waves. All vital signs were gone. So he's just laying there. I received a phone call and came down to Reading. Uh, being a pastor, they let me into the intensive care unit where he was kept. And I stood next to him. And all I knew is that he was in a very, very serious condition. So I stood next to him. I actually grabbed his arm. And of course, he's just laying there hooked up to machines. But I grabbed his arm and I mentioned his name and I said, you'll be okay. And the reason you'll be okay is because God said you're to be an evangelist. And then the best I could, I recalled the prophetic word that was just given to him only, say, two weeks earlier, that you will be sent back to the group of people you came out from. And I quoted the best I could, that word. When I was through, I just sang a, a simple song of praise to the Lord, gave him thanks. I turned, the nurse was there, always thanked them when they let me come into uh, difficult situations, thanked her for uh, letting me in, blessed her, and left. This was late Saturday night. 
I received a phone call six o'clock Sunday morning. And they said, he's awake, he's sitting up in bed, everything is fine. It's completely normal. Everything's fine. Amazing. Amazing, amazing story. The key to it, I believe, is anchoring your heart into what God has said. We're going to, and this will be a, a, a kind of a segue from what I need to talk to you about into the story that we're going to try to read in a few minutes, at least a little bit of it, where the, the angel of the Lord spoke over Mary and said, for with God, nothing is impossible. Say that with me. For with God, nothing is impossible. Say it again. For with God, nothing is impossible. One more time. For with God, nothing is impossible. Jack Taylor told us years ago about this word and, and uh, how it's written in the Greek and how it can be translated. It really made a mark on my life. I've shared it with you countless numbers of times, but let me do it again for those who may not remember. The word nothing is actually two words. It's the word no, and it's the word rhema. Rhema is a word that specifically refers to a freshly spoken word of God, that which is spoken in the moment. So no freshly spoken word of God will be impossible. The word impossible there means without ability. And so Jack told us that verse can actually be translated like this. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that does not contain its own ability to perform itself. Wow. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that does not contain its own ability to perform itself. The grain of wheat has an ability that the soil does not. It has the capacity to produce. The soil is the atmosphere, helps to provide atmosphere, but the seed itself has power. And God's word is the seed that brings life. You and I were called into life when we responded to his invitation for salvation. It was he spoke to you. You believed. We called upon the name of the Lord and we were saved. It's his voice. It's his word. In that particular story I shared, this young man was raised up simply because of the power of God's word. You will be okay because God said you will be an evangelist. We're learning. Most of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I take comfort in that because I look around and I see you don't know what you're doing either. It, it becomes very obvious to me that together we, we are clueless. We are clueless, but happy. Happy, clueless, but happy. And I, I remember when we began to pursue the gospel of healing. The healing was a part, expression of the gospel. I remember hearing about it growing up, but I never saw it. Certainly not when I prayed for him. I had people die. I had the gift of eternity, but I didn't. <laughs> never saw them healed. Today, it's pretty common. Pretty normal. I cry is that resurrections will be next. They will be, go from rare and on the foreign field only to here. Yes. 
You may say, I, I just don't have faith for that. You don't have to. Just obey God. Stop analyzing your faith. <laughs> just stop analyzing your faith. You get nothing by analyzing faith. After the miracle, I can look back and say, man, it must have been a gift of faith when he came to life when nothing in his body was functioning. There must be faith involved somewhere. But in the process, you obey. All you need to do is what did God say to do? You lay your hands on the sick and you pray your best prayer. And together, let's watch them recover. You lay your hands on people. You pray for those who have died. Pray for the resurrection. It's kind of an interesting story. Some years ago, we had uh, uh, a guy who follows Bethel uh, in Atlanta. He was in a carpool. I haven't told this story in a long time, so it's going to take a little bit out of what we're going to share in here today, but it's all right. It's, it's story time. That's what Christmas week is. It's story time. <clears throat> a friend of ours, uh, one who followed Bethel ministry and such, <clears throat> uh, was in a carpool, and he... Um, it just takes him a long time to get from where they are in this carpool to work. Uh, traffic is crazy uh, in Atlanta. And uh, so they're driving along and they notice that the guy in the front seat, the passenger seat, hasn't said anything for quite a while. And they touch him and he falls over and he died in, on the trip. He, di- he actually died on the trip. And they don't know, he hadn't said anything for a long time, so they, they didn't, you know, they just assumed he was resting or whatever and realized that somewhere in the journey, he just, literally, he just died. And so they're in the fast lane and it takes him quite a while to get over to the shoulder of the freeway. They finally do. They bring him out. They, nobody knows what to do. There's one believer in the car and the people start pouring water on him. Hope, I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you don't know what to do, you sometimes just do dumb things, but it's totally logical in the moment. You pour water, why? Well, because it can't hurt, right? It can't hurt. And so they did that. And this friend of ours um, thought, this, this, guy, this guy died on my shift. And he says, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do what Bethel would do. So he prayed the prayers that we would pray, made the decree that we would make, uh, lay his hand, all the things that we would do in that situation, he did, and nothing happened. I share this story for that reason. Nothing happened when he copied us. And then he was grieved. He said, wait a minute, this is my friend. And he was moved with compassion and he laid his hands on and commanded life to come back. And that guy was instantly raised, raised from the dead. Fun. You, you, don't, you, you don't get far by mimicking someone else, but you go a long ways when you hear what God is saying. You're moved with compassion. You make the decrees that he is making. So we're on a journey. We don't always know what we're doing, but we have embraced the call to the one arm. No options. This is what we're doing. And so I pray that God would give great continued courage and that he would replenish and refresh the strength of every person that stood in the gap to pray to see this wonderful child raised up. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter one. <clears throat> and we'll take uh, just, uh, just a few minutes for Luke chapter one.
Luke chapter one, we'll, we'll skip some of the verses that I've read in the previous services, but Luke chapter one, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Jump to verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that one, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. This particular verse, verse 38, is a verse that um, I think every time I go through Luke and I run across this passage, my heart just leaps. We used to have a song. We should probably write a new song um, with this verse in it. Be it unto me according to your word. It's, it's basically saying this. Everything that God has to say over your life, every significant thing that he has decreed over your life is impossible. He alone would command you to heal when you can't heal. He alone would command you to raise the dead when there's nothing we can do to raise the dead. He doesn't do so out of cruelty. He commissions us to something, to a lifestyle that we can only be successful in by staying close to him. He must do the work in us and through us or it doesn't happen. His command or commission is actually an invitation. Stay close until what I can do becomes what you can do. <clears throat> Look at verse 41. It happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 44. Indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. An infant in the womb, joy. Babies in the womb are not a collection of tissue. They're living human beings that experience joy, pain, all the issues of life. And when Jesus came into the room in Mary's womb, when Mary walked into the room and greeted Elizabeth, John in the womb of Elizabeth, leapt for joy. His reason for being just walked into the room and it released joy. We think of John the Baptist as, as uh, anything but joyful. But his entire life started in joy. And I would like to suggest to you that there's always extreme measures of joy in the wonder, the beauty, the privilege of obedience. Mary is called the highly favored one, not just favored of the Lord, but highly favored. 
Let's just reduce this to just a few minute message. Favor is one of the greatest gifts that God will ever give to a person. And yet favor will cause you problems. Merry Christmas. I'm here to encourage you. It's, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to be positive. But here's, here's reality. Reality is favor that sets you up to become who God intended you to be. Favor that enables you, enables me to serve the people around us effectively. That same favor will stir up jealousies, criticism, etc., in other people. And if you retaliate, you've revealed your ceiling of maturity and development in the area of favor. It's the ability to use opposition to keep you tender and humble before the Lord that removes the glass lid, the ceiling over the development of our own personal lives. Being aggressive, intentional, in our willingness to pray, to love, to serve people who think different and who at times even will oppose us. It's important to do that. You can't, uh, we're being recorded, but I'll say it anyway. (laughs) You know, we almost can't sneeze without it making headlines. But if you live with that kind of paranoia, you'll dial things down to what is common sense instead of common kingdom sense. And I I don't want to make an excuse for any kind of human foolishness. I, I get that that exists. But we've been summoned by God. The example Jesus set is a summoning that I said yes to. And the reality is I may never do it well. I just don't have the right to change the assignment. Oftentimes, in fact, I think most of the time in the church, people reduce their assignment to what they can do. Reduce the call, reduce ministry to what's humanly possible. And while those things need to be devoted to the Lord, it's the breaking into things that are humanly impossible that gives us that sense of impact on the world around us. Solomon was given great favor. And again, I'm repeating. Solomon was given unusual favor. The queen of Sheba um, prophesied over him at one point and basically said, God has highly favored you because of his love for Israel. He's highly favored you because of his love for Israel. What's the point? Favor that comes on your life is to benefit the people around you to benefit the people under your influence. If the favor given to me only promotes me, then it's misused favor. It is supposed to equip and enable me to serve more effectively the people that God has put under my influence or in my life. In this situation, Mary is highly favored of the Lord, but the first thing she faces is her husband that she's engaged to, going to be married, does not want to marry her. What's going on in his mind? We don't know. All we know, it took an angel showing up to talk him into marrying her. So he was set against following through his commitment. He didn't want to embarrass her, but she's pregnant. He knows, I didn't do it. And I don't know about her story. He says, just going to dismiss her quietly. The angel shows up and says, 
marry her. She is conceived from the Spirit of God. What's the point? Favor will sometimes cause conflict with those that are closest to you. Don't, don't act like the martyr. Just suck it up. <laughs> suck it up. Don't run around to other people and tell them all kinds of opposition. Stop, stop. Just suck it up. Just the attitude of the heart, the confession of your mouth, so that you can advance as a sailboat would advance against the wind. Advance into what God is saying and doing. Because favor is supposed to lead to greater favor. Everything that God does in the kingdom is supposed to bring increase and grow. Mary is called highly favored of the Lord, but she also had great opposition. She becomes pregnant. You can only hide that for so long. It affects how you walk. Everything about favor somehow eventually shows. And you become the target of Wait a minute, she's not married. It was a legitimate miracle of God, and yet it caused conflict for her. Yeah. Having the grace to walk through conflict and difficulty is a part of what God's doing to prepare us for greater favor. <clears throat> it's probably enough. Be it unto me, according to your word. I prayed that prayer, I don't know how many times, probably 100 times or more in my life when I've come to something that the Lord speaks of. Because there's this partnership that we make with tenderness of heart, partnership that we make with what God is declaring over our lives. I can't make it happen, but I can yield my way into breakthrough. I can yield my way, surrender myself into the manifestation of breakthrough. And I pray that for everybody in this room, that the most impossible word over your life, the imp most impossible word over your family would be fulfilled in this season. I pray that Christmas season, the season of gifts, that he would surprise you with his own giftings in your life that things that were impossible, pronounced dead and gone, would be raised up, renewed, refired again, and that God would demonstrate his heart as the perfect father, a good father, to bring healing and health and strength, blessing into every household. That's my cry. I know that whenever we come together like this, with this many people, there's always the possibility and perhaps probability that we have people in this room who have not made that commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that commitment to be a disciple of the Lord, to be one who says yes to his leading, to his decrees, his commandments, to turn from sin and to follow after him. There's this invitation that is given week after week after week. And I believe the Lord set the stage for everybody who's here to be here. If you've never made that commitment, that confession of faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ, and you would like to, then I would like to say, do so right now. 
do so by just putting a hand up. This goes for everybody who's watching online, the same thing. Just respond to the Lord in your home. But I'm gonna ask anybody here, anybody here who say, I wanna make Jesus my Lord. Right over here is one. Anybody else, put your hand up. Another one back over here. Yep, beautiful. Yep, anybody else? Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyone else, real quickly, I wanna make sure that I, that I see everyone. You know, it's the greatest miracle of all, let's be honest, um, that, that we could actually be changed and transformed through God's forgiveness and his abiding presence, the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand, we're gonna to pray together. And let me ask this, there's two people at least that I saw that raised their hand. I wanna ask you, right over here to my left, they are putting up a banner. I think it says, start here. So the two people and any others that would like to join, I'm gonna ask that you make your way from your seat right up front here, and we've got friends that we know and trust that will pray with you. If the person who raised their hand is a friend of yours or a family, walk them down, and let's have ministry team come down at the same time. Let's have ministry team come on down as well, because I want you to be here ready to pray for, for people. Now, just put your hands before you. Chris Gore is gonna come up and wrap this up, but let me just pray over you just real quickly. Again, anyone who raised their hand, please come right over here and talk with our team because I want them to pray with you. All right, put your hands in front of you. Let's pray. Father, I ask that this season, you release a spirit of breakthrough over every household, over every individual, that miracles will be common in this season and that you would help us to mourn biblically, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Help us to embrace mourning as a gift from God, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, mourning can lead to unbelief or endear you to the heart of God. Unbelief is the way you don't wanna go. That kind of mourning is in Mark 16. The disciples did not believe Jesus raised from the dead because they were in mourning. But the scripture says, blessed are those, happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So there's a different kind of mourning. You don't have answers, but you lay yourself down before the Lord and you become the target of his comfort. I pray over everybody in this room that we would embrace the biblical style, lifestyle of mourning which is not unbelief, it's not complaining and criticism, it's becoming open for the touch of God's healing grace. So I pray that over everyone in Jesus' name. Chris, go ahead. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard in multiple languages on our Bethel TV website. If you'd like to partner with us in discipling nations and fueling personal revival, you have the opportunity to give at Bethel.tv slash podcast slash donate.